0: it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 well folks you're listening to the john DePetro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com it's monday it is january 30th boy it's quite a unbelievable amount of news over the course of the weekend i want to first just start the um latest now on this mother in duxbury if you're on facebook um i posted but the father came out with a statement his first statement on saturday and i have a feeling we'll slowly start to learn more about the situation but um it, it is uh it's pretty remarkable with and if you look at the posts that i do have on the facebook page the amount of individuals who are in fact that they are supporting the mother a lot of women are coming out and supporting the mother, and some people may find that surprising. there's still a lot that we we don't know. Um, I have um I, I um have heard a little bit or what what some of the first responders walked into. I'm gonna let uh, you know, that will come out in time. I just think that there's a lot about this that we don't know. Um, what was very dramatic was the husband on saturday said that he forgives the wife Lindsay clancy and, and his name is patrick and he's asking everyone else to forgive her so i think um i i know and some people are immediately going and saying that they they uh they forgive her for what happened and saying that postpartum depression is a terrible thing to be in but um i i think that if people had a better understanding of exactly what happened to those three children, um, eight months old, well, seven at the time, and then the little boy turned eight on Thursday but passed away, died on Friday, three and five. I I think if, um, if people had a better idea of exactly what went on in that house, maybe not so quick to immediately just say that they uh, forgive her for what happened but we'll let that play out now Friday night Friday was a big news day Friday the little boy who was then eight months old passed away and then Callan Clancy and then Friday night of course was the video release of this situation in Memphis so there's a couple different parts about this with with my thought with what happened in memphis and i take exception to you know governor mckee saying there's another example of racism um i don't know who wrote that i think it's lazy it's obviously not accurate you have those uh those five officers are that that's an example of when you have people who should not be police officers uh i don't know who trained them i don't know why people are applauding the police chief that they're police under her with this this unit But and but there's several things going on here. Anyone that watched that, that that is just that's not how it should be done. Uh, There's no reason to treat it that way. Their their methods and manner of trying to handcuff this suspect were certainly not by the book. People saying it's worse than Rodney King. Well, the guy the guy died in Memphis, so of course it's worse. But but as far as what something that no one seems to be talking about. And it's a lack of talk about it. And it's both local and national, but it is that of black-on-black black crime or whatever way you want to describe that, right? When, when you talk about the, the shootings and, you know, everyone likes to talk about Chicago. But what they don't talk about is that's all predominantly now. That's black-on-black that's black crime every single weekend, all the time. You know, in Providence, when I cover a, so many of those shootings, it's all black-on-black black crime on both sides you don't have you don't have stories of asian individuals pick a place you know two asian men in cumberland killed another asian man and the next night two asian men gunned down another asian man you you don't have that but no one you know they don't want to talk about that what you saw what we all witnessed in those videos friday night that's another example and the media doesn't touch on it but it is it, it, is uh, you know, and there's a lot of different ways to go with this, but is there there seemed seemingly is an acceptable level of crime black on black crime and violence is what it comes down to. So but that Friday night for Governor McKee to put out, oh, it's another example of the racism in our country. like that that is such a lazy, I don't know who put that out? How do you look at what happened Friday night? and call that laziness every time you lower standards every time you say you know this is normally what you have to do to get on but you know we want to have this person on or we want to have more of this or that every time you change and lower the standards then you're not getting the best possible people how many people that might be better police officers were not put on to this quote elite unit i mean just as someone that's has followed i mean you had five police officers and they couldn't that handcuff that guy now it can be difficult to handcuff someone it can be it's not as easy as people think it is but when you have five of them and he's on the ground i mean ideally i'm not saying you crush them but if someone were to sit or kneel or just be on top of them they're not going anywhere the fact that that guy was able to get up and run away and then they're tasering him, and then the they're pepper spraying each other i mean it was just absolutely horrible plus they're out of shape the first video they showed the guy runs like the police officer runs like 50 feet and he's huffing and puffing and out of breath i mean there's there's nothing about that now the rodney king situation then flamed and set off the riots of la and then and so now keep in mind those were white police officers and then you had you know rodney king who was someone of color but but this for it's as if many political leaders and i'll put governor mckee in that they they don't know how to react to it and the media certainly did not react to it all right this is wrong they're police but they're not you know white police but it's it's violence it's black on black violence that does not get reported now locally look at i'll just talk about our local media they don't even talk about race anymore a man walked in and robbed the bank be on the lookout for the for the or they don't even say the man anymore person right and for fear that they're going to misgender someone a person walked into the bank Uh, be on the lookout they're in uh, a black shirt with jeans and they're 5'10". You know, I mean, even our local media won't say a black male walked in, blah, blah, blah. So, but there's, there's no report of this. Locally, when we have these shootings, they don't say two black men were, for, were arrested for shooting and killing another black man in Providence last night. They, they don't report that. Don't report anything close to it. So that needs to be addressed. That is a major issue. Now, as far as the policing, I, I don't, no one is standing by those. I, I don't know of anyone that would even consider what they were doing. I, I know it It drew so much attention and the riots and police brutality. I just, I think we're going to learn more about those officers. There's nothing they did that was right you wouldn't even know that they were police officers to me their training is so poor and i'm not i'm not a member of law enforcement but i you learn a lot just by watching and riding along with them and i mean again it, it can be more difficult than people realize to handcuff someone but when you have five of them and never mind then he got away took off on foot and they're tasering i mean why are they tasering him it's a traffic stop he doesn't have a weapon you have him out of the car you have him on the ground he's not going anywhere but they were incapable no one could get that group under control really really disgraceful now coming up later i'm also going to talk about you know and for those of you that do follow when i go out and cover a lot of the crime in especially in providence sometimes Pawtucket, central falls but providence is you'll you'll have situation where someone shoots up a house. It seems odd. Somebody goes in, goes by, and they empty their barrel onto a house. Well, you know, this situation with the student in Mount Pleasant that the assistant principal says we need to raise money for this student because he still owes money to those that help smuggle him, sneak him into the country. Um I mean we've talked about that. I, I broadcast from DC we've talked about it's a cottage industry they call themselves these coyotes you pay them a certain amount of money like a tour guide and they'll get you in so apparently they also have flexible payment plans but what is not talked about is the fact that if you don't pay them that there's either going to be violence on this end meaning they'll send cartel members to providence protected central falls to send a message they want the money or More likely, they'll hurt your family back in whatever it is country that you came from, whether it's Mexico or Guatemala or somewhere south of the border, so to speak. So I know there's a lot of focus on that, but I I never hear anyone talk about some of the side effects. You know, whether it's Governor McKee wants to give them driver's licenses or Mayor Lorza running a sanctuary city and running a sanctuary state. When you do that, you invite that type of crime in. And you never hear local leaders talk about uh, potentially, you know, cartel violence. I've talked about it. Some of the gang members they, they uh, arrest and find here from some very dangerous gangs, uh, again, in South America, Nicaragua, uh, dangerous gang members from Venezuela, wherever, cartel members from Mexico. But Governor McKee, what does he say? Oh, no, they're an important part of the, the fabric of the state. Lieutenant Governor Matos says, no, they're Rhode Islanders. Well, they're actually, it's highly unusual that a Rhode Islander, let's well, say Stephen Sokosia, would have a Mexican drug cartel involved in coming here to try to get payment. And it sets up a very dangerous situation. Now, if this student doesn't pay them, then, then what happens is there going to be violence here, or is there going to be violence back where, with their family, wherever they came from? But the money's coming somewhere. The debt has to be paid. All right. It's Monday. A lot more on this. You're listening to the John DiPietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think at Med Urgent Care. Medical Center and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at net. Folks, you are listening to the John DePetro show. It's weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePetro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he's the managing editor at It is our friend Justin Katz. Justin, I'd like to start off. With uh, Dan McGowan has a piece in this morning's Boston Globe. Uh, it's crown. P- it um, <laughs> I mean, I what I find frightening is is how much we we're all aware of it. And it's basically this to me defines the pay to play system. For those that wonder why the state has a reputation, it's 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 transactional. It is the three most powerful people all get together, and if you wanna play in the system you have to show up pay your tribute uh i actually attended one of these not as someone donating but just to observe and they literally all make a beeline the person stands there and you know they're they're keeping track of who comes and who doesn't and it's um it's all perfectly legal but i i just i find it very very distasteful
1: it is it is it's 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 like the opening scene in the first Godfather movie, right? Everybody's yes. showing up uh, I like to that. Make their introduction. They have to make sure they were seen there. They might have to be called on to make a uh, a promise that they, they have to pay back someday. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's it's not a it's not a good system. It's not clear to me. And you know, keep in mind this goes on despite all these campaign finance things. Tomorrow's yeah. the day everybody in Rhode Island has to be sure to file their campaign uh their campaign reports, even if they haven't run in years, they're just sort of not closing their accounts. They just, you know, that's crucial. It's crucial that I send a report saying I did nothing <laughs> this month uh, to the state because otherwise, who knows what corruption could happen. And yet, here you go. As long as they all you know, line up and, and kiss the ring and hand over some money, as long as it's all written down somewhere, this is all perfectly correct. It's just it's a it's a gross system. Um, the problem is there's there's really only one way to cure it, and that's to reduce – well, two ways. Well, one, The first part is to make sure that you've got a competitive system where people can actually lose because then they can't just hand out favors because – for purchase favors because they know they'll face voters ultimately. And the second is to get the power out of government and, and make sure there's not so much power to buy and influence to buy by giving money to these – these largely incompetent people so that's that's what it is but you know in the in long run it's in the short run it's not sh- clear what we can really do about it
0: yeah it's also and i want i don't want to kind of talk too inside that people don't understand but they have it in the, in, in the month of january so it's the beginning of the session and it's all on three different nights and you have the speaker and the senate president and by the way it's also fill in the blank of whoever because nick Mattiello had his there and, and murphy had his there and, uh, and I get the element of Crown Blaser essentially located, but but they stand at the door and all the people that want to do business with the state walk in and they show that they're handing a check to pay to play and they thank them for coming and attendance is kept. And and then fast forward, you know, maybe it's April or May and someone is saying, hey, I need a favor and or hey, I need this piece of legislation or blah, blah, blah. and. It's pretty simple. They keep track of who well, where were you in January hmm. when the session started and that was the uh the time to do it. What do you make of the fact that um and I have my own thought on this, but I but but it was it's widely discussed that Governor McKee had had the worst showing of all. And he they tried to make different excuses of uh, oh, you know, he had some other smaller fundraisers. But what what do you what what are we to make of the fact that of the three of them, Governor McKee had kind of a sparse turnout?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's not that surprising. Governor Governor McKee has has no real support. He, right. he had he can only buy votes. He's the buyer. I mean, he's not by support he's, from insiders. They don't have to pay him to give them what they want they own him he and that's that's the problem he's in and i think it's why we see him making bizarre statements all over the place on this issue or that issue he's just he 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 doesn't he hasn't built any support he hasn't done anything independently that makes him an attractive political figure he's kind of goofy and and ham-handed at the politics itself so yeah why would why would i go give the governor money when he's the one looking for handouts from other people, I mean, looking for, looking to buy votes from other people. There's no, it's sort of, it's sort of like, I will go, I'll just go directly to the, to the source. If I want, if I want something from the unions who own McKee, I'll go to them. I don't need to go to McKee first to get something from them. And And ultimately the legislature, I mean, this is, this is something we forget from time to time in Rhode Island, but the legislature holds All the power ultimately. The the governor is, in some ways, a a figurehead, and or just just somebody to kind of help keep some control, and and has a bully pulpit, but that's about the extent of his influence. So, you know, as an as a not very popular person who doesn't have a whole lot of power, why why would anybody? I mean, the transaction just doesn't make sense.
0: You know, that's an excellent observation. Again, folks, our segment is politics week, and Justin, I go back to we they're going to repeatedly see this. he didn't win primary day. He wasn't the chosen one. It was Helena Folks, despite buying all these people and buying votes, and and his other battle. It, it, the only thing that did give him some element of power was the fact: number one, he became governor early because Gina ramondo left, and number two, all that COVID money, which normally it's it's the house that controls all the money. It was unusual that we had a sitting governor that had control over all the purse strings and the purse strings, and then we. We saw what he did with them, but it wasn't lost. In, uh, uh, and it's definitely out there on people how, I mean, there he is of the three of them and sparsely attended. And then they were trying to say, well, it was supposed to snow, that <laughs> but um, I, we really didn't get any snow. Now, I also want to hear your thoughts on um, the McKee, the Central Falls Pateka train station. Um, it's, it's, you know, an added stop between Providence and Attleboro. It's not really in a good section. Um, it was thrown down. To me, this is another example of, you know, just a, a gift to labor. Much like we talked about the Wickford train station, that was that doesn't make sense. Thirty five hundred car garage, and then it always just sits empty. This this wasn't really built for commuters. Um, it, it never mind to get them to go out of out of state it to me it was built they got the federal money and then it just becomes another gift to labor and they let them build a train station but what
1: did you make of the uh, the opening of the train station well the 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 pictures and such of all the uh, all the public officials riding on a train were, were pretty laughable i mean it's just it, yeah you, you get the impression that that's really the point Right. The, the point is the politicians. It's not like they had they had pictures of let's open this up. And there are all kinds of exciting, excited people there. You know, I, I mean, I remember the, the Iway Bridge. I remember when that opened and it wasn't you know, that was another it's arguably another gift to labor, trying to open up some land too for the wealthy property owners and so on and so forth. But the the opening day was Bunches of people walking across the bridge. I mean, so so yeah. the image of what I'm thinking of is the image of all these people that are walking a bridge. It's for the people. It's for Rhode Islanders. It's our travel. This was like a dozen powerful, mostly white politicians in Rhode Island who are look at us. We got a train station built. It's it's something we paid for. You know, that's that's basically the impression. And I think the to me the the bigger policy questions on these are are really really should open people's eyes. I mean. If you if you're building a train station that connects these smaller cities to Providence and Boston, ultimately, you're you kind of want something for people to travel to in Rhode Island. Yes, right? and we don't our business. Environment, we're not fixing that. We're not making that better. So it's not gonna. It's not like people are trying to get to Rhode Island to open open businesses and they just can't do it because there's no transportation. What it is, it's the other way around. The, the property values in Massachusetts are so high that this will be a draw from, if anything. So you'll have more people who yes. use the easier commute to Boston to That's live in right. Rhode Island. That's going to drive up property values, which is going to make housing more expensive, which is the big thing that the progressives and the, the Democrats complain about all the time. And so they yeah. don't want that. So it's it's just this confused mess of, of policies that nobody thinks through because what they're doing is they're satisfying special interests, they're paying union, they're, they're making, creating jobs for union members. That's how we're governing. And it's really a bad idea because what you end up doing as you end up this is how you end up with housing costs out of control when you don't when you, you're not thinking about okay we're going to have more transportation here is that either it's going to sit empty and it'll be a waste of money or people are going to use it and do we want them to use it have we set up the system that can make the most value of this new transportation just nobody nobody in the state thinks it this way it's not even a discussion i mean it, they, maybe somebody will think that. Raise it as a talking point during a, a legislative hearing or something, but it's just not—it's not the way they think, and that's why we're in the condition we are. And I think it's why when the COVID money dries up, we're gonna—we're either gonna have to go scrambling for the next windfall, or we're in big, big trouble.
0: Do you um? Do you think will it drive any eco- economic development to that area of, of central Folsom Pawtucket? I,
1: you know, I, I think indirectly, I think it may, it it may start to create. As I said, people who want to work in the Boston area who can okay. get there more easily, and they'll get housing. But that's going to be a problem because that'll they'll drive up the cost of housing, and people are going to sell, and it'll be great sure. for people who own houses that are lower value now, and the prices keep going up. I th- so I think that's if it if and if it's used at all, I think that's what we're going to see. I don't know at this point if what the value proposition is for you know commuting to Pawtucket or or Central Falls, but if anything, I think that's what we'll see for economic development.
0: Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, Managing Editor, com, right here on The John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today ameriprise financial 401-434-1510 offices located 400 massoid avenue in east providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for you for you through a personal one-on-one relationship call tom bryan today ameriprise financial advisors 401-434-1510 get solid advice get a plan whether it's for yourself you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, AmeriPrize Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, this next story, it's a little unusual, and I, I don't think a lot of key elements of it have uh, have surfaced or come out. But there's a story that broke that uh, there's a, a assistant principal at Mount Pleasant High School. And she sent out an email that one of the students still owes money to, um, as someone that has covered the border, if, if you want to get over, it's a cottage industry. It's big business. They hire these. They call them coyotes. But they are the people. They're like the tour guides. They will ensure you pay them that you will, you know, get over the border. So there's a young man apparently in Mount Pleasant, and he still owes money to one of these, quote, coyotes that got him or got him and his family, whoever, into the country and sent out an email trying to <clears throat> raise money for him. So as much as people are saying, you know, it's incorrect. And, and I also want to point out the union attacked the vice principal because the vice principal of Mount Pleasant, is not a member of the teacher's union. You wouldn't hear anything about this if this was a teacher that did it. But besides some of the normal reactions of, of um, the fact that you know it shouldn't be done and the principals you know said that that's not the proper place to do it, I think it also underscores, see, this is to me a larger part of the problem of, of laws of making Providence a sanctuary city. Uh, many times when I'm in the city and there's kinds of violence that a house is shot up or things like that. Make no mistake, the cartel they'll come and they want their money or they'll go after your family down in Mexico or Guatemala, wherever you're from. So but um what are your thoughts on this situation of the fundraising email for the student for the coyotes?
1: well for me the top line red flag is that this this is in principle stephanie harvey (laughs) she's taken down her twitter feed but apparently it did (coughs) excuse me identify her as a queer activist right in her twitter bio and that's that's the red flag don't hire those people because they're not they don't see education as education to provide a service they see it as radical indoctrination and revolutionary activity (laughs) so it's perfectly in keeping that she'd want to Want to help raise money for basically human traffickers to increase illegal immigration? It's just part of the activism.
0: Um, notice again, I'm not sure how someone like that uh, is in fact the uh, the vice principal, but I also notice, you know, if you just step back, you you never hear like Governor McKee saying, you know, or Lieutenant Governor Matos. They're Rhode Islanders, and Governor McKee saying they're part of the economy and. Oh, especially during COVID, there was an awful lot of talk about, you know, they're here. You and I discussed how they were counted as part of the census. Uh, they act, actively recruit, encourage illegals to come in. Some people are just completely confused and say, well, you know, how come they're not deported? Because they don't deport anyone. But Justin, I see this as it's politicians, mainly people like McKee. Uh, who also is going to give them driver's licenses? of Matos. They create an atmosphere, but it's almost like if you, when you buy something like a some kind of a drug at the at a pharmacy, they on the back they have caution. Here are some of the the symptoms that can happen and some of the side effects. Well, to me, this is one of the side effects that if you're coming in illegally, they're more likely than not involved with some kind of illegal network to get them here. And now you're opening the city and the state to this type of violence when you kind of allow these types of people to arrive in your state.
1: Well, I think so. But I think I'm not sure that's a, a negative to the people who support this sort of stuff. I mean, the, the queer activists, this is what they want. The, they're, they're Marxist revolutionaries. They want things to be confused and broken down or they're trying to overturn the existing system. And that's what they I mean, that's why they're in education in the first place. A lot of these people, I think they, they want to make it. They wanna make sure that it's difficult to exist in the existing system. This is why you get critical race theory, queer theory. They want people to be confused and and unhappy and dissatisfied so that they become revolutionaries and bring about the socialist revolution. I think that's what you see with this sort of person. And it's to some extent, I think this assistant principal really just kind of said the quiet part out loud to some extent. I think this is our system increasingly in Rhode Island is built to foster this sort of attitude, and it's the, it's that whole collection of of issues the the identity politics, the queer theory, the the uh, illegal immigration, all the abortion stuff. It's disruptive. It's it's supposed to do that, and so it's it's really not that surprising. And I it's almost I wonder if you you might have put your finger right on it, where it's only surprising and it's only controversial because it's a way for the union to hit this particular non-union assistant principal yes that's right i mean that's that may be it i mean otherwise they'd be oh, just fine with it yeah let's pay the human traffickers to bring people to rhode island and that goes back to the, you know that's their system they want as many of these people as they can as long as they can get other people to fund uh, all their public services that's just dandy for them and so that's that's where this yeah, i think it's a an indication of rot. I mean, sometimes when I was in construction, you would see a little spot on a ceiling and you kind of think, Oh no, that could be something more important. We better start taking things apart to fix that leak or whatever it was. That's what we're seeing in these sorts of indications. And people really need to start to wake up to it. But I, I worry that nobody really feels like they can say anything because they're just, everybody's pinned down by accusations of racism. I mean, can you imagine Imagine a politician in Rhode Island trying to take advantage of this for for as part of their to set up forward a different kind of agenda. It would be they'd be white supremacists, they'd be racist, they'd be attacked. Their their life their livelihood would be gone after. Their employer would be contacted. So I, I I'm not sure there's any way for our political system to adjust uh, against what's really a, a destructive destructive uh movement in our state and don't don't doubt that this is very much related to the kids doing terribly in school exactly and yes. being deprived of their education this is the focus of the system raising money right. for human traffickers to bring in illegal immigrants by the queer activist assistant principal that's the focus of the system not reading not math that's this is what they really care about and it's just a matter of how quickly they can implement things Justin, um, Governor McKee had, uh, appeared
0: with these abortion activists. This goes back to in order to get Helena folks on board after he, he uh, supposedly beat her in the primary. Uh, but it, it has to do with this business that it's it's really they want, even though, uh, you know, most people are covered. I think Jessica de la Cruz, uh, state senator, made made a strong point that this whole business, that Governor McKee, that why should taxpayers be forced to pay for it what do you make of of him saying you know we're going to make this happen and uh we're going to get it done and they're going to need to move faster on this even though i mean that's obviously not the way it works up there but like of all the priorities what do you make of of him
1: you know trying to really lead the charge on this well it's either payback or uh or seeking support because as, as we said a few minutes ago he, sure. he doesn't have any of support he's got to just jump on these bandwagons it's it's like he's he's just along for the ride to some extent whatever whatever his what he's whatever the democrat base he thinks wants he's he's all about it there's no principle involved there's no anything it's just uh and you could see it in progressives haven't been having been so skeptical of him for so long. I mean, he, he almost lost the Lieutenant governor race to Aaron Regenberg because he right. believes he has these progressive principles. He's just saying my, my advocacy is up for purchase. I just want to win and whatever I have to say or do to get there will be, will be just fine. And so I, I see this right in keeping with the tweets he's putting out about national issues, like the, the lunar, uh, the Lunar New Year tweet yeah. a few weeks ago and, and the tweet about <laughs> racism in Memphis, you know, and it's black cops kill a black man. You know, he's just just ham handedly saying whatever he thinks will will gain him just even a little bit more support in his base because he's terrified. Uh, just he's, he's rightly terrified that he won't win because he's incompetent. He hasn't done anything.
0: Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, Managing Editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DiPietro Show. 580 1852, Limitless Outdoors. Dream, build, enjoy. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is the managing editor, anchorizing.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, let's talk a little bit about Memphis and locally. I know BLM is uh, uh, the pa- <coughs> packed anyway. They're going to have like a, some kind of a gathering. Uh, certainly not going to be reminiscent of 2020. Governor McKee, I think, put out that was embarrassing. Put out a tweet talking about systemic racism. Anyone that paid attention and saw it, um, you, you're talking about five officers of color that tragically uh, beat that. I, I want to even go into the, a big topic that's not being discussed. Now, first of all, you know the, these these guys shouldn't have been police officers, and that was so over the top and so out of control. It was bad policing, is what it what it was, but. There's two different elements of this that I think come into play that no one has talked about. Number is number one is no one says anything, the amount of black on black violence and crime. When I'm out in Providence and I'm covering some of this, you know, the the, the media and the local leaders, they never mention that, you know, two two black men went last night and killed another black man in Providence, or let alone what goes on in some of the bigger cities of Chicago. But another part that no one wants to talk about other than the 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 violence everyday violence of black on black crime if you had constant all these you know uh, white men killing other white men well it was glorified as organized crime and it was constantly in in the press and identified that way but to me another part that no one talks about is when they lower standards to hit and they they want a police force or whatever to reflect and in order to do that, we're going to lower the standards. So instead of getting the best possible people, we're going to get people, you know, and kind of, uh, you know, uh, look uh, look away a little bit and allow this one on, even though he's probably not the most competent. And, and, and by doing that, you you get people that probably, you know, who definitely should not be having a badge and be on a police department. So I want to hear your thoughts a little bit on the reaction, political reaction of this.
1: Well, I think that's right. and I, th- I think it's in keeping with some of the other topics we've been discussing the The goal is to disrupt. I mean, you can't you, right. at a certain point, you can't look at progressive politics and and assume they're just that dumb and don't see the obvious consequences of what they do. And so what you get is not only do you have this identity politics where we just have we have to lower standards for for identity politics. And you get this with the police, with race. You get it with firefighters, and particularly there, it's usually uh, sex where they're lowering standards in order to get more females on. On fire departments, which you know, does not sound like a great idea to lower standards in a situation like that. So you've got that, and then you've got the defund the police movement and and the riots and all that. That and I think that's when Memphis lowered their standards around that time, um, partly because people don't want to be police if they're going to be vilified and and they're going to be attacked all the time and they're, and are going to be the villains of society like that. And so you end up with a lower lower caliber people who who some of the controls. Sometimes you know the standardized testing isn't just a way to keep out uh, you know minorities. It's which is the claim in some cases. It's it's to have a baseline of okay, you're you're able to focus, you're able to pass this test, you're able to do this, you've got the physicality to do that. That's really. Uh, once you start getting rid of those controls, you get people who probably, you know, this this job was just better paying than the other one they would have gotten. They they shouldn't necess- they shouldn't be police. And what do you get? You get incidents like this, which then the progressives take and turn around to amp up their, their revolutionary fervor again. That's real. That's what's going on with these situations. And what's what's disappointing is when somebody like McKee or, or other politicians across the country. I mean, we're not. It's not like Memphis is next door to us here. Um, that's. When they try to capitalize on it to prove their own bona fides, they just they look dumb, but they indicate where we're going. It's just just, you have to you have to say this. And that's that's actually starts to become dangerous because then people can't respond and try to speak rationally about it because the people who are supposed to be representing us are just a bunch of they're either they're either fooled and brainwashed by the cult or they're cynical and just trying to capitalize on it. And that's either way is not a good thing.
0: I will share with you that in, in the past when I've tried to have a conversation with and even like one of the heads of Black Lives Matter the Pact, and so forth and talk about that. They, they never say anything when there's all this violence in Providence about, you know, black men killing other black men. All they end up doing is blaming it. They, they always just pass the buck. It's not a discussion they want to have. I, I think even the Memphis situation, when people first heard about this, the year kind of went out of the balloon when they realized they, it's almost like they're not sure how to react to it. Even the media, um, because they were, you know, five, five black cops in Memphis that, that did this, because the media was initially saying and even the, you know, people were saying it was worse than Rodney King. Rodney King is, is alive. Rodney King was not killed, although he may have died since then. But it's almost as if they weren't sure how to react to it, because then they don't want to criticize anyone of color in the equation. One of the guys had been a correctional officer and he ran into a problem with violence. Those guys, they were breaking all types of procedure. Uh as someone that I travel with police and have covered police, you never see that type of thing. There's it there's much easier ways to get someone in handcuffs than they're tasering them and using pepper spray. But it's almost they were caught, the media and, and some of the other the Democrat Party were caught like it was in a quandary, Justin, that that like we have to find a way to bring this back to racism because we don't want to blame anyone of color in the equation. And even, you know, the police chief that they were all praising, I, I don't know how these guys were an elite unit based on the things they were doing. So now I'm also curious to hear your thoughts. And again, folks, our segment is politics this week. Well, you and I had talked about it, and now it's official. Donnie Anderson, the former Donald Anderson, who now is apparently transgender, he has been elected as the president of the Women's Caucus. Cynthia Mendez is the vice president um I think this again, I, I, I don't know what to make of this. Again, it doesn't impact my life, your life. I'm not afraid for children to see this or anything else. But I just think it's more defining of what the Democrat Party is is becoming. And you see other instances of it as, you know, look at like that White House press person, uh, John Pierre, Jean Pierre, where, I mean she's so, terrible in her job and and bumbling through the document problem but that's not why she was chosen she was chosen and people applauded isn't this fantastic we're going to have the first woman of color who's also in a same-sex relationship and then they're they're almost surprised when the things go south when they consistently they don't pick the best possible person for the job they pick as you talk about identity politics someone just to make a statement
1: yeah and well what we what i've said before is it's it makes you think they don't think the things these people are doing are actually important or serious um i, I don't know if you've seen on it's been going around twitter there's a a transgender person i think in uh, somewhere in europe a middle-aged man in his 50s says he's a ice princess and so somehow he's taking center ice at this big ice skating event and he can't do it he falls down one of the one of the females with the flags going around the ring has to come over and help him up, and he, he just he looks terrified. How does somebody just because I say I'm a woman, I'm suddenly able to go be put on a spotlight on at this big event on the ice? I think that's see, obviously that's not a very important job, whoever whoever gets to be seen on the ice. Obviously the entertainers, the organizers don't think that's a very important thing. And you have to come to that same kind of conclusion. If I'm picking people based on their their identity and a self-chosen identity at that, then I'm not really the thing that I'm having them do, I'm not I I can't possibly be be picking the best person because The odds are against it when you say, "All right, this person has to become uh, have this job." So, I think what what it really comes down to for me, and, and as you said, you know, the the fact that it's done is not that. It has very little limited effect on anybody's life. But the the processes that make it happen, that's the thing that's kind of scary. I mean, it was uncontested. Nobody else wanted this position. Nobody else uh, – I'm speaking of Donnie Anderson now. Nobody else wanted the, the job. None of the women in the Democrat Women Caucus said, you know what, just, just let's have a, a – a woman by birth be the leader of this group. They they can't say that. They've got to go along. And either it's because they're all brainwashed or because they're terrified of, of what will happen if if they they try to push back. And when they do try to push back, how far can they really go? Can they say, um, yeah, we need a we need an actual woman in this role? No, they'll be attacked by their own caucus. Anderson actually was quoted as saying. Uh, on, to be honest with you, I was a little surprised that my acceptance was so complete. Yeah, everybody's terrified or brainwashed. What'll right. be interesting is when this gets out into kind of the broader society, and here's where I wonder, I, I wonder how far we've gone. So when, when, for example, they they've already targeted a couple areas they're going to be active. Say in Richmond, there's a controversy over a progressive who wanted the school committee seat, and conservative uh, Clay Johnson of the Gatsby Project was appointed by the council to that seat. Uh, will other people say, look? Look what this person represents. Look who's backing her. Is this crazy Democrat woman's caucus that has a man as its leader? That can people say that? I don't know. I uh, you know I'm I'm hesitant to say things like that myself, and I'm not running for political office. So it's it's kind of a we're we're in this bind. I think where everybody's just terrified, and so you get people who can't ice skate taking center center stage and the spotlight on a, on an ice rink because everybody else does nobody knows how to respond to this it's just so crazy and and as i've been saying this morning it seems to be the theme you know that that it's like they're trying to destroy our sense of reality and our very our, our, our civilization it's, i mean it feels like that
0: yeah just someone that i mean i've Covered him for years. He doesn't really have a congregation. He announces he's the Reverend or it used to be Donald Anderson. And then he announced, and the journal loved the story of, you know, it's like a Caitlin Jenner thing. I don't think he had any medical procedure. He now just grew his hair long and now he calls himself Donnie Anderson. But now the new head of the Woman's Caucus happens to be a transgender man. I think, though, Justin, to me, it's kind of reminiscent of, and it was a big controversy. Remember that Rachel whatever her name was dolez or something like that that that's right she was the head of the the blm i think it was uh, up in the pacific uh, northwest and and she happened to be white and so now i don't know about that like now she was driven out but i don't know if that would happen now i think now we have with the transgender we and the ice princess we've reached this point that who's to Who's to say that then the, the new leader of the B, of BLM is is, is going to be a white person? Now, I'm also curious, uh, Justin, in Providence, I think this is one of those situations where the media could be more aggressive. But, you know, these parents complaining because they're going to close some of these schools, especially the Broad Street School. I mean, just some of the, the facts that are not brought out. And, and to me, it's the union organizes these parents they get them out there. You can't close our school. The union leaked it before the... Um, you know, Department of Ed could could get it out there. But the fact of the matter is that no one, none of these kids walk to school anymore. They were all bused. So it's really a matter of you're either busing them, you know, a mile or two miles to your left, or you're busing them a mile or two miles to your right. So there's no element of that. But all of this outrage with the parents, and I again, believe it's set up by the union um, about the closing of the school, no one touches on the fact that as you and I talk, the proficiency in these schools are, are, are just embarrassing. They're pathetic. If any, if the parents should be upset about anything, it should be on what's currently happening in the school. Um, it, it's all as they talk about adult centric. It's this is all about. They're not worried about closing the school. They're worried about then they start to trim the workforce. So, but this business of and the media, you know, these parents and they don't want their school to close and and it's an old school and everything. But I think the worst part about it is that there's no one learning in that school. There's no one reading or doing math at, gr- at grade level. It's it, let, let's, it's expensive daycare is what it is. And the kids are busted.
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean, the outrage, what you ought to see outraged parents doing is telling unions just stop. Just stop. They're trying to right. f- improve the system. Get out of the way. That's it. Period. You're not doing your job. And that's what that's what I find so striking. This is um, closing these schools is part of, of tens and tens of millions of dollars being spent on Providence schools, largely, you know, money flowing through from the federal government, probably from COVID, but so there's so much money around, but we're spending tens of millions of dollars fixing schools. Part of that, they're closing down three of them. That's, That's a big reorganization people ought to be hopeful about i mean i don't know right. the details i don't know if it was done well but it's the sort of thing people should be hopeful about and that the union should be embarrassed about nitpicking oh they're going to close this school they're going to close that school and you know these are the same union members who keep those pictures in their drawers and love to bring it out oh look right. we've got we've got mold we've got rats we've got ceiling panels falling down i've got the pictures right here they love that but oh okay Fine, we're going to close these schools and, and that are that are you know a century old maybe, and we're going to build some new ones. No, 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 no. You can't do that. We're going to lose. You're going to reduce our jobs. It's just it's so laughable, and I think it's indicative of of why we're in a condition we're in that we've got this we've got this system where the powerful voices are always looking for that that angle for where, how they can benefit from anything that's done, whether it's whether it's good or bad or indifferent. Oh, you, the schools are falling apart, I'm gonna benefit from that. You're gonna build new schools, I'm gonna benefit from that. It's just, it's gross. And that's what ought to generate the outrage from the parents. But the fact that we don't see it, uh, I think in, is, is really telling. And it, it's telling of, of why we've accepted this kind of, it's not even mediocrity anymore. It's, it's substandard services.
0: Folks, he, again, our segment is politics this week. He's the managing editor at AnchorRising.com. Justin Katz. Justin, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. I'll talk to you soon. It's getting cold already this winter. Keep your family, your employees warm with Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company, 24-hour emergency service. For over four generations, they make it easy to keep your home Comfortable and safe, trusted oil delivery. Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401 942 7500. You can find them online, matthewsoil.com. Matthews Oil, premier dealer in Rhode Island, delivering the highest quality heating fuels. At Matthews Oil, they take pride providing reliable, affordable service for you and your family, celebrating 90 years of service. Call them now. It's going to be a cold winter. Get that tank filled. Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. In an emergency, they offer 24-hour emergency service, Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. 24-hour emergency service, right, Jim? Yes, 24 For right now, it is expensive for people. You'll work out payment plans for individuals with oil.
1: Yes, we have budget plans. We have uh, we also take state. uh, We take state heating assistance. We belong to every city and town's uh, community action groups. We've participated with that for 20 years. We're actually 30 or 40 now since the 80s. It's
0: not solar. But you can help people save money on their electricity.
1: Yes. Uh, If they're a commercial customer and they're with the grid, uh, local utility, we can also uh, provide them with electricity and also commercial natural gas for uh, right to their business.
0: The koie cool sat in